choir and our praise team. Uh, what a beautiful Sunday it is uh, on this long weekend. Uh, I'm so thankful and delighted uh, that to be worshiping together. Our passage today begins with this verse. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Peter's community is going through something very difficult. We can tell that right off the bat. So to get a sense of what's going on here, we need to unpack the context a little bit. Uh, Peter's writing to a community. Uh, they're primarily Gentiles, non-Jews. Uh, so before they became Christians, uh, they used to just live how everyone else lived. Uh, they lived in their families, in their communities, uh, just like they had for generations before. But once they met Christ and became Christians, uh, things changed. Something happened and they changed radically. The way they thought changed, the way they behaved uh, changed, who they associated with started to change. Everything had changed. It's like that song we sang, it changes me. They had this experience and uh, things were different now. But have you guys ever uh, been around someone, they, they start to change? It's kind of disturbing, isn't it? It disrupts the equilibrium. You're used to interacting with them in a certain way, but all they're, they're, they're different. It, it, it's unsettling. And this is what was going on. As uh, the number of Christians start to grow, uh, people start to notice. It's like, what's going on with those guys? They're, 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 when they get together, they're, they're behaving weirdly. They're doing weird things that we're not used to, that we don't know about. And so uh, they started to arouse suspicion. Even in their families, they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, uh, the things you're now doing are so different from what we used to do every day. What's going on? So there was a lot of change. And, uh, and so this, uh, uh, this suspicion turned into even hostility, opposition, and even persecution. So this community of Christians, I mean, when they had first met Christ, it was, they had found the reason to live. It was life-changing. They discovered something so amazing. But now they're having a very difficult time because of all this hostility and opposition to them. So they're second-guessing themselves. They're, they're wavering. They're wondering, is this worth it? Should I, is it better to be how I used to be? Peter has a message for these wavering people. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Very different reaction from normal hostility. Rejoice, you are blessed. Peter is telling them to embrace their suffering and hold fast to what they found in Christ. Don't run away, but embrace the suffering that is being inflicted upon you. I realize 
I mean, they, they loved Christ. Christ had changed their life, but they're going through such difficulty. I realize when you really love something, you suffer because of it. When you really love something, suffering is going to follow. I think that is a universal truth. And we have a lot of parents here. You love your children. Because you love your children, you suffer because of it. When your kids are hurting, when they're sad or they've been hurt by others, you suffer because of it. Love breeds suffering. God loved the world so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into it. And Jesus loved the people in the world so much that he suffered for it. Love brings suffering. But you know what? Suffering that comes from love is never in vain. It bears fruit, the fruit of life. Because Jesus suffered from love, we are given life. We are saved because of it. Because of parents suffering love for their children, they have the gift of life. They have that strong anchor that we reflected on last week. Love is what gives life. To meet Christ is to experience the fullness of God's love. And love is what makes all things come alive. So to really live, you need to be driven by love. If you haven't found something or someone that you love with all your heart, I don't think you're really living. If you're just living day to day, not driven by love, you are merely existing. I don't know how romance is like these days. I don't know, but back in the day, it's like when you fall in love with someone, it is all-encompassing. You get obsessed, and, uh, and it shapes your th- thoughts and your actions. I don't know. I don't know. Younger, maybe I'm just old. The younger generation, they seem so chill now when it comes to romance, right? Oh, yeah, I met someone. Maybe I'm wrong, right? <laughs> love is what drives us, and that is what calling is. We're always, a lot of, we're always talking, what's my calling in life? Calling is to have love manifested in the unique way that's only you. A calling, it's a calling of love, right? Love is universal, but calling is unique. How is love going to manifest in my life in a unique way? How will my life contribute love in a unique way that only I can? That is what calling is. So it's not about your job. It's, calling is more about who you are and how you live your life. Right? I mean, I'm a minister, and that's my job. But it's not the duties I do as a minister that matters so much. It's who I am. Who I am that gets reflected in what I do. It's the same thing for all of us. What is the unique way that your life can manifest love 
and bless others around you. When we are in Christ, we discover who we are. In Christ's love, we find our unique expression of that love. So love is what drives life. But as we've been reflecting, love brings about suffering. I mean, Peter's community, they had found this love in Christ, but now they're suffering from the hostility from others. That is often a deep source of suffering when it comes from the resistance and hostility of others. You know, when you experience hostility, it does something to you. It does something to you. It weakens your resolve. It makes you doubt yourself. You know, instead of feeling free to love, you, you kind of get fearful. And you start becoming driven more by the need to be accepted and blended. Related to that, discrimination and prejudice, they have corrosive effects. That's what this community was experiencing. They were experiencing discrimination and prejudice. That label Christian, it began with uh, this community. And it was not a positive term. It was, uh, it was a very, had negative stereotypes. Oh, Christian, you're one of those people who gather the weekly and you guys do weird rituals, weird chants, uh, and what? You guys like dip bread in blood? Like that, that, that is weird, right? Very negative. And so they started in their own communities to be marginalized, outcasted for being uh, kind of suspicious and weird. Experiencing that kind of discrimination and prejudice, it makes you feel like what you have to offer is not worth much. Not only that, that it's undesired. You start to feel undesirable. And when you're made into an outsider, it eats away at your sense of self-worth. Many of you have experienced that in real life too. That is what is so pernicious about racism. Racism, you're made to feel that you are less valuable and have less to offer simply by who you are, either how you look or your background. Rejection and prejudice, it can distort our sense of who we are. I mean, you can start either becoming very defensive and you're trying to prove yourself or show how special you are. Or on the flip side, you start to hide who you are and you just try to blend in. You try to avoid being different and you run away from what is unique about yourself. You bury your unique contribution of love, thinking, oh, I don't really have much to offer. And you start being driven more by calculation than by love. My friends, to live a life that is true requires courage. I mean, you have to be willing to face the fire that comes your way. You need to face the fiery ordeals that, that Peter's talking about here. These fires test who you are and what you're made out of. I mean, Peter, he is trying in this letter to forge a new identity to those who are in Christ. You are no longer who you used to be. And that is great. You have a new identity sealed by the blood of Christ. The blood that was shed from the suffering of Jesus. Right? 
the suffering of Jesus and shed his blood, and that gives us new life and new identity. You are a new people. That is who we are as followers of Christ. We are new people with a new identity who take up the path of the cross that Jesus took because we have faith that in Christ, we too will share in his glory. Yes, my friends, you know, rejection and uh, uh, it takes a toll on us. It really does. You know, Jesus Christ, he conquered the grave and he rose from the dead. But even the resurrected Jesus, he maintained the scars, the marks on his hands and his sides. We too, we rise again, but the wounds and scars that we carry remain with us. You know, I mean, as I was reflecting for this, I realized that uh, I have, still have an inability to function normally in white settings around white people. I, I, I don't know why. It's baffling. I cannot really be myself. I get awkward. I, uh, I'm, I tense up a bit. And I'm hyper aware and vigilant and self-conscious. Uh, uh, I mean, I see myself being like that in real time, too. It's like an out-of-body experience, you know. And sometimes Deb, Deb when, if she's my wife, if she's with me, she'll be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so awkward? Right? And then he's like, you're doing that chuckle again, you know. I don't know. I, I used to kind of get down on myself about it. But now I, I accept it and I embrace it. By grace. God uses my infirmities for God's good purpose. My friends, God does not use us in spite of our infirmities. God uses us because of our infirmities. Our infirmities are the raw materials that God takes, and like a refinery, he processes and creates something beautiful out of that. God doesn't use the good things of your life, the polished aspects of who you are. God takes the frailties and infirmities of who you are and uses that. That's the meaning of grace. To take our broken pieces and make a beautiful something out of it. Our hurts and our pains. At one point, they may have been fuel for anger or resentment or fear. But by grace in Christ, pains and hurts are transformed into fuel for love. They become the fuel for your calling. That's the wonderful gift of grace. I love it. It gives you new life. Isn't that good news? It's amazing. I mean, see, if you experience that, how can you not be changed? How can you not be confident? Nothing can defeat you or conquer you because you have that power of Christ in you. I'm thankful for Peter's letter of exhortation. He's telling us to hold fast to our convictions. 
when he talks about resist the devil who lurks around like a roaring lion ready to devour you, he's talking about the devil is ready for us to waver and to give up and to just kind of blend back in. No, my friends, find your reason to live and be strong. That's what Peter is telling us. I want all of us here at St. Timothy to be confident in Christ, to be driven by love, not by fear or calculation. I I want us to take risks and put ourselves out there to stick my neck out for what I believe in. And we have to live boldly and courageously in this life that we have. That is the life that God desires for us in Christ. Amen? I mean, Peter, he knows that this journey is difficult. It is difficult. How can you just always just be yourself? Unless you're like Jesus, how can we? So he offers words of comfort as well. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Yes, our God cares for you. While you are going through your fiery ordeal, our God is there to comfort us, to bind us, to heal us, and to give us strength to carry on. He concludes with this. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May that power of Christ be with you so that your life can be fueled by love.